Hey guys, and welcome to a brand new episode of Nerds Talk Movies. My name is Taylor. I'm going to be your host today. Joining me for the next few weeks is going to be just Drew Garrison. And Drew, I, don't, I kind of feel like that was actually a bad introduction. It was like, that was just <laughs> you. But it's just going to be us for the next few weeks. I'm excited though, man. I'm excited to do these one-on-one episodes. I had the spoiler talk with Tristan. Well, for The Last of Us last week, and it was a lot of fun. Like, it's great when we're all, you know, talking about movies and TV shows together, but there is something about just a one-on-one conversation, and it is a little bit easier for me to edit, so. Yeah, (laughs) I thought that was the reason. But hey, that's fine. We can just make our events now Avengers style, where it's like, oh, it's the team-up movie. Oh yeah, we're definitely going to be having a lot of projects coming up soon with all three of us. But we're going to be also having a few other projects that we're going to be talking about here soon that you and Tristan are working on. I'm very excited to hear that. <laughs> you guys said you just got done recording it, so yep, yep, uh, yep. I'm pumped for it. As am I pumped to talk about this movie here today. You saw the title, people. You know the deal. Today we're going to be talking about Superman versus the Elite. Another from the DC Universe original movie set. Oh, man. You introduced, I'll get into this in the prelude, you're the one who introduced this movie to me, and I thank you so much for it. But besides the point, here's a synopsis for Superman vs. the Elite, courtesy of IMDb. Quote, the Man of Steel finds himself outshone by a new team of ruthless superheroes who hold his idealism in contempt, end quote. And here's from the main cast for the film, along with director and writer credits, again, coming from IMDb. It was directed by Michael Chang. It was written by Joe Kelly. It's based on a story called What's So Funny About Truth, Justice, and the American Way by Joe Kelly, Doug Mankey, and Lee Bermijo. I think that's how you pronounce that. I'm very sorry if I'm wrong there. The character of Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. The The voice cast stars... George Newbern as Superman slash Clark Kent slash the Superman robots. Polly Perrette as Lois Lane. Robin Atkin Downs as Manchester Black. Katero Elaine Colbert as Coldcast. Andrew Cascino as The Hat. Melissa Disney as Menagerie. The D. Bradley Baker provided the voice for the Atomic Skull. O.G. Banks as Terrence Baxter, Henry Simmons as Alfrane Baxter, David Kaufman as Jimmy Olsen, Fred Tastaschiori as Perry White, and Paul Elding as Pa Kent. Now, Drew, as I alluded to before, you recommended this movie to me months ago. Mm-hmm. And I was one of those people before this who I, I still do love Man of Steel. But I was one of those people that's like, ah, you know what? I like the Injustice version of Superman. I like when he's a little darker. I think in, you know, the as this movie goes, in the 21st century, let's modernize Superman a bit. And you recommended this movie and All-Star Superman to me. Yes, I did. We're going to talk about All-Star Superman one of these days. Oh, yes, but we are. I have never been flipped on a character more than I have on Superman. I want to get your thoughts here, because you are the comic expert. I want to know a little bit more about the comic arc that this is based on, because I think it's a lot shorter. 
if memory serves me correctly, because I did some research on this months ago. It's technically shorter, but um, it's also it's also not like it's got some like it's got some uh, like I guess if you're reading the comic book, this is gonna be a very it, the comic book's gonna be a shorter experience than it is to watch the movie and stuff. But it's like every beat in this movie is technically in the comic books, with some changes to it to make it a bit more uh to make it a bit more cinematic and stuff but um basically this comic arc is based off of the authority which uh you might have heard about you know coming that the authority is going to be one of james gunn's uh signature projects in the upcoming dc it's a little interest in there yeah it's uh maybe james gunn's dropping a little nugget in there about what he plans to do for his superman but uh, no, we'll get there in this retrospective, I think. I think we're going to talk about the DCEU and the DCU a yeah. lot in this retrospective, along with the movie. This isn't a, like overly long movie, and we're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about within it, but I think it's also interesting to look at like the adaptations we've got recently with Superman. Mm-hmm. And this isn't the fault Henry Cavill at all. I think Henry Cavill is an exceptional Superman. So you know like how um, I said that I think that Justice League did some things better than the Snyder Cut? I heard that, and I heavily disagreed, but I could not retort to you because I'm just editing the episode and I wasn't on that episode. (laughs) 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 But I get what you mean, though. You're talking about in terms of the movie itself, you thought that it did some things for Superman to put him back on the path of being more bright and optimistic and hopeful he was a little more bright and optimistic like coming back to life was the refresher he needed and also and and also like superman's connection with lois is now a part of him not the sole reason he's a hero which is something that the snyder piece really does hammer into you a lot which i don't like but that's not here or there we're not doing a review of the snyder cut we are, we are going to compare and contrast, but the whole thing is that this movie is what Superman is, and why in attempts to modernizing Superman, you will lose what makes Superman timeless. I think that was a very good way to put it, and uh, I just want to go ahead and get into our comic connections here, because I have a feeling you're going to be able to go into a little more detail on the story it's based on. So what comic connections can you make from Superman versus the Elite to DC Comics here. Well, technically it's all already here. What's so funny and uh, what's so funny about Truth Justice in the American Way? That's the only comic connection. It's the it's the basic outline for the entire story. There are some things taken taken out like uh <laughs> there's the, there's this one point that's just like comic books where there's a literal giant mecha- giant um cyborg gorilla that uh the elite killed and that's the first time we see we technically see what the elite accomplish it's just that we don't see them but that was taken out well now i judge this movie a lot worse because that sounds fucking awesome it it, well it 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 would be but remember that in the comic book the the gorilla is already dead (laughs) so we would we would be more seeing the uh the aftermath than anything else but yeah. if you do want to see cyborg gorillas, comic books actually really love going back to giant gorillas with a twist. Like there was one that had kryptonite powers. There was another that 
ironically enough, was a cyborg as well. Gorilla Grodd with the Flash. He's one of the Flash's biggest enemies due to his ability to use his telepathy on the Flash. The Gorilla in Peacemaker. I got taken over by a butterfly. DC really loves gorillas. <laughs> yeah, like DC, lo- DC loves gorillas. There's even an alternate universe where it's called... Where it's the DC apes, and uh, the entire universe is just the DC universe, but apes. They love gorillas. But yeah, um, there isn't really a lot changed in the story, but um, for a little bit of hindsight, the elite are basically the authority and their brand of justice, in a way. Like, the authority, we're all, we're kind of more like, darker superheroes the more aligned with anti-heroes and stuff and also like oh uh you can't it's like uh these are the people who save you but technically you also you can't say no to them they'll do whatever they want now they aren't all bad there's a lot of nuance but it's like a very complicated story so i would recommend that you read the authority for yourself to get your eyes on it but basically the authority was the original comic version of the boys before the boys that's the best way i can put it they are they are a bit better because they actually are trying to be superheroes for hero's sake but they have a ton of problems and they also okay hold on i let me because i need clarification here and i don't think it helps with the british part of all this (laughs) with <laughs> uh, Butcher and Manchester Black. Are you saying they're like the boys as in the group the boys or the boys as in the They're like the IP? seven. They're like the Vox. Okay. Because yeah. I was then going to be like, are they kind of like a combination of the boys plus the seven there? Because that's what it kind of, that's the vibe I got. Actually, yeah, you can, you can put it like that too. Like, again, it's like there are some, there are some diff- subtle nuances and differences. It's like their Superman-esque character is not Homelander at all. Like, Apollo is, he is trying to be, like, the bestest boy. It's just, like, the whole thing is, like, all of, all of them are very much different. They don't, they don't really, like, fight with the total altruism that DC superheroes did, so. Oh, and they also did drugs and some other really nasty stuff that we can't say on here. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that's <laughs> the whole thing. Though was that the author- that the authority was sort of like the epitome of what superhero comics were pushing towards, and the elite were basically a replication of that. To the point where Bonnie from the movie is the is uh, similar to what the authority had as a base as well. Hmm. Interesting there. We're gonna really talk about DCU a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, it's a, it's a lot. Now, the Authority has had di- has had different writers that push it to different um different sides to how the, um, DC went about it to the point now that uh two of the Authority members, Apollo and Midnighter, are now in DC, like they're fully a part of the universe, even though they rarely show up. Because it's kind of hard to have your Batman Superman pastiche exist in the same universe as Batman and Superman. I have a question for you. Manchester Black, I do know that he is part of the authority at some point in the comics. Can you go into that just a little bit and then we can get into our retrospective proper here and talk about Superman versus the Elite. 
Yeah, so I will do the best I can. Manchester, like, Manchester Time and the Authority was after I stopped reading the Authority, mostly because I did not like the Authority. But Manchester's Black Time and the Authority was basically sort of the start of his redemption arc, if you will. Like, he goes from being the guy who tries to take down who tries to take down superman and everything because he's mad about being taken him taking down the elite and everything to starting to realize why superman's ideals are the way they are and he actually had this really really cool moment where he actually was able to trick superman to believing that he killed lois lane and still superman refused to cross the line he wanted to be the man that lois believed in the man that he believed that he should be it's a really cool moment but his time on the authority was very short-lived to the point where i'm pretty sure that most that um that most times they counted as an alternate universe version of him now i'm not sure if that's the same thing with everything that's happened in dc where everything's canon (laughs) uh it's a whole thing but he was on the authority for a bit and now he he's on superman's side and everything he's actually an ally to him it actually helps superman uh, regain his secret identity after he outed himself so yeah there's a whole thing with that but that's the best i can talk about like i said i did not fully read his time on the authority nice now that's still a lot of information especially from not only what the elite slash the authority, both of those groups kind of represented and what you can compare it to, but also going into more detail about Manchester Black in the authority, because ever since the DCU got announced with, yeah, we're doing, it's a show, right? It's the authority Mm -hmm. show or is it a movie? I don't remember. I'm pretty sure it's a movie. I think it, yeah, I was about to say, I think it's a movie because if it was a show, everybody would be going, it's the boys again. So I think it's gonna be. I think it is a movie. But uh, besides the point, uh, I think you shared a lot of great info there about like what Manchester Black's time was in the Authority, because a lot of people went, "Oh man, this might be what they do for Superman," and then we will talk about it here in this retrospective. But I gotta talk about our general thoughts first, man. This movie is fantastic, unequivocally. It's only about seventy minutes long. And there's a lot of action sequences, but somehow this movie feels like it has epic stakes to it, and it just has this vibe to where Superman is fighting all these physical battles, but it is a lot about his ideals being questioned by everybody, including Lois at one point. I think it's very intriguing for a Superman movie. What are your general thoughts about this? I think that this movie is true, is like, so um, when we get to All-Star Superman, I'm going to say that that's peak Superman. This is, mm-hmm. this is solid Superman. This is a Superman where you see all the foundations of what it meet of what the Man of Steel stands for, what he is. And even when, and it shows like his willpower, even when literally it seems like the entire world is against what he stands for. He's that guy who will plant himself down and say, no, I'm not going that distance. And it's not like he's forcing his ideals on anyone. He's stating that he himself is not going to cross that line. And I think that's the biggest thing. 
it just it feels like Superman is constantly like the way this movie betrays him is in a sense of he's not there to and this it explains it pretty well I think to me to where everybody goes why doesn't Superman just create world peace because that's not what he's here for that's not what he he tells people he's not here to fix the problems he's here to save people from the problems that are created here and to help humanity along the way as they figure it out themselves i think yeah and as a comics person uh let me pull in like one of superman's many titles Many people know like Super Supergirl's The Woman of Tomorrow because of the spiel for the DCU. Uh, that comes from Superman's title as The Man of Tomorrow. And the whole point of The Man of Tomorrow title is showing that Superman is what humanity can become. He's here today to bring out the best in us tomorrow. Yeah, and I think it also goes into like the catchphrase here, what uh, truth, justice, and the American way too. To whereas yeah. I remember years ago, and I'm not on social media anymore, so I don't. I'm pretty sure it probably still happening today. Towards people still debate over whether or not it should be his catchphrase, because after all, Superman is also protecting the world, and it doesn't make much sense. But I think also this movie phrases it in a way to where it's ideally the way that it should be you know yeah where everybody is treated with respect and everybody has a chance to succeed and everybody can have that dream of a better tomorrow and that's what i think this movie like does so well is it doesn't crap on what the older superman stories and everything like the catchphrases or the ideals that Superman was created for and all this stuff, it doesn't try to change that and modernize it. It points it out and points out like, yeah, I can see why there would be flaws with it, but here's also another way you could look at it. And I find that to be very cool, man. I find it like, it's, it's seriously, like I said earlier, like it did this 180 for me with Superman towards, I was one of those people going, yeah, man, he should have killed Zod. It's going to kill that family. And while still go back to that retrospective, and that's kind of what he had to do, but I'm not sure that would have been a great thing for the DCEU for him to kill because, I don't know, it just it goes against the character because now I look at this movie and I'm like, shit, I don't want Superman to kill. Yeah. Because it kind of just takes his whole ideology and ruins it in a way. And even if, like, you you're writing it so that way Superman has to kill. Because in the comics, there are points where there is no convincing this person, there is no stopping this person without having to do, without having to kill. It's a rare, very, very, very rare occurrence. Like, I think it's only happened twice in his near 100-year history. But when Super... But um, if you're going to do it on that part, show superman's reaction i think that's the biggest problem with man of steel it's like for a second you think oh there you're gonna see like a superman that has to deal with the fact that he had to kill zod maybe even go through the other connotations around that that being he and zod were the last kryptonians no he's just worried about his perception and how humanity views him pretty much for bvs and yeah and and justice league he's just like i'm back to life and yeah 
Yeah, and even in Man, even in Man of Steel, um, afterwards, it's like he literally just crashes a drone. He's smiling. He feels he's unaffected by it, even in the same movie. So it's like if you're going to go down that route, at least show the burden that puts on him. Yeah, I couldn't agree anymore there. But uh, talking about the standout cast, I mean this is no disrespect. I think this is a very good voice cast. I think George Newbern, this is the clear standout, though. When I was younger, I liked Robin Atkins' performance. Because uh, Manchester Black just has a voice that sticks with you. But George Newbern... As I as I got as I got older and I stopped having my oh villains are so cool phase, it's like I realized how good George Newborn Newborn is. Still love Manchester Black's voice; it's awesome, but George Newborn kills it. Yeah, Robin Atkin Downs as Manchester Black. He does a great job. He is very British. Like his voice <laughs> is so. Like, it's one of those like how Americans view British people. I think, in terms of just, he is heavy on the accent. All the British slang and everything is thrown in there. It really does remind me, I'm glad you mentioned the boys earlier in this episode, because it reminds me a lot of Butcher from the boys. Yeah. And Carl Urban's performance. It's honestly quite ironic, because the more that the quote-unquote, uh, Author- authoritarian style vigilante justice comes to comes to mind it's somehow there's always a someone with a deep british accent in there manchester is based off of a character from the authority uh what was her name what was her name uh, i can't remember her name but she he was based off of a character in the authority and uh that was basically his uh his claim to his uh way of being british and everything because she was british i wish i could remember her name because that's gonna bother me throughout this entire podcast but then we have but then we have uh billy who billy butcher who was also part who was also part of that same style of justice and everything technically he's more in it for selfish reasons than any of the others but it's like he still kind of got that to a degree it always, but it always like kills me because it's like I keep finding there's someone with a heavy British accent, and they aren't always British either. Sometimes they just have the accent. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it was one of those things while you're watching, you're just like, man, that is a heavy accent. Oh, it's fantastic. I remember it, her name, Jenny Sparks. Jenny Sparks, that was her name. Okay, she's from the Authority. That's who Manchester Black is based off of. Ooh, that was gonna bother me for this entire podcast, guys. You have no idea. The other standout to me, I will say, I think Polly Perrette did a really good job as Lois Lane. Oh, I don't yeah. think it was probably one of my. I don't think it was one of my favorites. I could argue like George Newbern in this movie is one of my favorite Superman performances, even from George Newbern, <laughs> who's voiced Superman for a long, long time. Yep. Uh, but I think Polly Perrette does a really good job as Lois Lane. Regardless, uh, she did bring that. A little bit of confliction into it while always like being there for Superman and doing her own thing at the same time. I think that's the thing, too. I, I, you see this with a lot of superhero movies and shows, and we've talked about this before on this podcast, to where the love interest sometimes is there just to be the love interest. 
Yeah. And I think, especially here lately, with Superman and Lois, and I know this movie came out in, what, 2012, but it seems like there's these movies are starting to get like more in line with, all right, the love interest has to have something to do. You don't want to go too overboard, I think, and make the love interest the main character, like, you know, what Arrow and the Flash did. Well, mainly yeah. Arrow. Yeah. <laughs> the Flash, it's, it was more of a problem with the side characters becoming the main characters than that. But Arrow it was more of a thing of the love interest becoming the main character. So what I find so interesting, though, is it reminds me a bit of something like Superman and Lois to where Lois and Superman, like they're both there for each other. They love each other, but they also got their own shit going on. And they're trying to help each other in their own ways. And Lois, she doesn't have a whole lot to do in this movie, but she plays a key role in helping Superman defeat the Elite. Yeah, I also do. I also do love that their dynamic and everything. It's like it's like Superman is like just the just the like the uh this helpful husband and everything. And she's and when they're going to like get the story and everything, she's like he's like once we get once we get on the ground, it's every reporter for herself. And then Superman's like, unless I find something juicy. And then she's like, now you're getting it. I'm like, oh my <laughs> god, I love this dynamic. I love this dynamic. I love it so much. Yeah. Not only that, but she like brings this other part that Clark, I think, needs. Because Superman is not an idiot. I think it's very important to note. Superman's not an idiot in this story. Yeah. He's very intelligent. And not as intelligent as I think he is in something like All-Star Superman. To where I was like, oh shit, he is actually, uh, I didn't know he was that smart Yeah, so also, Yeah, so All-Star Superman is endgame Superman for, yeah. a bunch of, for a bunch of reasons. It's like, Superman starts out with Earth-level intelligence when he first starts his journey. That's why many people believe he's a bruiser, because they always go back to the origin story. But the main reason I bring all this up is he's not an idiot, yes. but he can still get tricked. Because mm-hmm. he thinks too good of people. And Lois is there to kind of be like, you know what? You shouldn't be that gullible. <laughs> you know, how about I help you out here? Or make sure you're not getting, like with the cartoon at the beginning, like, hey, don't get taken, like the creative control, don't get swindled out of your creative control for your own character. You need to protect your brand, your S. Mm-hmm. Like, you may think that's stupid, but it's actually important because that brand gets tarnished, you get tarnished. Like, it ruins what you represent. So I really like their not only their dynamic, not only the cast that they have here, but I also just love how both characters are depicted. Like they both need each other, I think. Yep. And I have more to say on the Superman's on idiot thing, but I'm gonna save that mm-hmm. until we start talking about the elite because there is one scene I think truly shows um some of the some of the difference between Superman and the elite. Well, let's talk about the beginning then. So Manchester Black had a introduction to where you're like, oh, this is the this is the villain. <laughs> All right, they're just getting right into it. We had the cheesy Superman cartoon. Superman faced off against the Atomic Skull, and then the Elite eventually introduced themselves. This was at the time where they teamed up with Soups and Bialia, I think. Mm-hmm. But uh, what did you think of this whole beginning here? I think it was very action-packed. The Atomic Skull stuff, as much as I love Dee Bradley Baker, I know what the character represented in the movie, 
And I love the part where Superman puts his cape over the body. Because even as somebody who killed those people and everything, Superman believes, like, you know, we shouldn't let people see this brutality. Like, it's not necessary. It's unnecessary to him. Yeah, I think this... All of it. Yeah, I think this also comes a bit from Atomic Skull's origin and everything as well. Because Atomic Skull sort of changed after he got his powers and everything like so that might be a flaw of the movie because i don't know anything about the atomic skull and i feel like it didn't really go into too much of the background on him but my big point being like if i had to find a flaw it would probably be i didn't care for the animation style as much and also the atomic skull just being like oh here's this fight and here's it kind of felt like tacked on both times with the Atomic Skull fights and everything else felt like it was this huge... And I think that's a good part about the movie, though, because it felt like every other fight and every other interaction felt like it was building towards the massive stakes that the movie actually has. So whenever the Atomic Skull comes on screen, it's one of those things to where I sat there going, all right, can we get to the better stuff? (laughs) (laughs) I, I I admit that, too. I do like, though, the design for the Atomic Skull here, because this is very different than how he appears in anything else. And just having him sort of this sort of Ghost Rider-esque floating skull with the purple flames to show the radiation and stuff. And not just bank on the green, because I don't know where radiation equals green came from, but it it got on my nerves for a while. I like the color diversity and the character design. I do admit, the art style... Is a bit different for what they're trying to do. I understand why they chose this art style, though, because it's supposed to sh- it's supposed to be goofy for you at first, and then it's a very big shift when you start seeing well the blood and everything. So it's yeah. I think it's, I think the whole thing in that is it lulls you into feeling like oh this is just gonna be a traditional Superman story and everything, and then it's like ha psych. But um, I do love the opening for Manchester because it kind of feels like he's an orchestrated everything with how he's viewing through all the uh, all the screens and everything, and he's like moving his hand to shut off the screens and everything, like he's in control. And it's a very subtle way of showing Manchester's ideology, like he like he is in control. That's what he wants to be. It's not it's not yeah. how he brands himself and probably not how he sees himself, but that's kind of what his version of justice is. I think another reason I love that it's a very short introduction to where he's just like it's time to take your medicine and then it goes to the introduction, the credits there to where you're getting the punk rock and it's like, Oh shit, this just hit me in the face. The <laughs> punk rock. I'm not mad at it, but alright. But I think the reason I like that so much is by the end of the movie, in a good way, I still don't know Manchester Black's true motivation. Yeah. I mean that in a really good way, to in the sense that it seems like the plan was always to discredit Superman. But there's a little bit of me that thinks that maybe he was trying to legitimately recruit Superman and legitimately trying to get this guy that maybe he did like at one point. And get him to see his way of view. Because I think the one thing throughout the movie is it does feel like Manchester Black is like, dude, you're not seeing it. 
see it from us. You, he's coming at it a little bit of Lex Luthor, right? Where it's like, you're an alien. You're not seeing humans. Humans suck. We're terrible people. We need to just kill all the criminals and everything. Get rid of all that stuff. And Superman is just sitting there just taking it and going, no, you're wrong. And that's just pissing him off more and more. So I, even by the end of the movie, that introduction makes me go, yeah, but he planned it out the whole time and he didn't care about Superman at all because I didn't get that vibe at all. See, I think it's a mixture of the two. I always assumed that Manchester was trying to get Superman to see from his point of view. Hell, I even think that Manchester wanted Superman to lead them into that stuff. When Superman spoke and everything before, Manchester was all ears. And he and he fully admits that Supes was uh, his inspiration as a child and everything. But then he grew up. And I think that's the big thing. He grew up. I think a lot of times when we grow up, we become cynical to the world. And Manchester, who already came from a rough background and everything, he became cynical. So his whole thing, though, is that he still believes in Superman. And I think that's one of the reasons why his redemption arc starting in the comics was so good as well. Because it's like, he believes in Superman. Even if even if he like doubts Superman superman's dreams and goals and everything he believes in him so taking this in of its own variety and everything i think manchester never planned to discredit soups but he might have known that he might have to because of how stubborn soups is yeah this movie puts you right in the middle of two nations that are at war and everybody's going to superman why don't you help and superman explains like i said earlier that he's not here to just do everything for humanity. Yeah. He's just hoping to be the guiding hand. Which, to the credit of the DCEU, that's something that Jarrell kind of said, in a way. Like, lead them into it and all that stuff. Like, you can see parts of what Zack Snyder was going for there. Like, you're on the right path. You're just taking a lot of weird detours to get there. That yeah. don't make any sense for the character that I think you want to really great based on you know the stuff like Jarrell was talking about but regardless I what I love about this here is it is a world that has massive stakes to it so I, I think that's just really well done you see the news coverage I think the news coverage I think that trope sometimes get annoying I think in movies it was very well done here I loved yeah. it. I think it it just added so much to it. The show, the citizens, what they're thinking. It really made it feel like a living world, I think. And that's really hard, I think, in animation. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, I can understand it can feel hard in animation. I do feel as though... I do, I do feel as though a lot of animated worlds do make a world that feels lived in. I think, though, replicating our world is the hardest because we don't see... Because, like, for us, sight is a huge deal, and seeing 2D things might be might be a bit disorienting for a few people. But I do like also what you said about um, Zack Snyder and comparing his Superman to this Superman. And I think the biggest problem with Zack is that at one point, is like I think he changed up in between movies. At one point, he wanted to make a story that centered around Superman eventually like going evil and everything as what he said was his original plan. 
but I also think he wanted to make Superman the linchpin of hope in his world. Like this is a Superman that wants to guide you that needs to guide humanity to a new age. I do think, however, that those are kind of contradictory with with the way he was putting it down because he never makes Superman feel like he's loved in this world or idolized in this world. Yeah. You see that in Superman versus the elite. You can see throughout the news coverage, and this is why I think it was so important, that the people of Metropolis and the people of the world loved Superman. And then they started to go, you know what, maybe this guy is too stuck in his ways. Maybe this new group, the elite, they know what they're fucking doing. So that, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, And just to compare it to Superman versus the elite. There's no contradictory, I think, there. Yeah. It's like you see that you actually see the change from, oh, we love him, to maybe his way just isn't right. And maybe we need to move on from him. So, I want to talk about kind of the struggle in this movie. And there's a lot of action scenes, but it feels like this is more of an idealistic battle versus a physical one. What are your thoughts on this? What are your thoughts on the public turning against Superman throughout the movie? And I guess the elite, you know, kind of becoming the new household superheroes. They don't mention that the other DC heroes exist, but they do indirectly a few times. Yeah, it's like they got some different merch and stuff, and sometimes they'll name drop them, which I always find... I don't think I heard a name drop, but they would go like, uh, Manchester Black would go these, uh the thong and blanket types that always have their undesirables or something about their undesirables being left behind after they die or something. Oh yeah. Like when the Cape is left behind. Yeah. And then he'll mention after that, he said something about, yeah, if any of you costume people come after us, we're going to be doing the same thing to you. And we already killed Superman. So you, we know where you're running. I have an issue killing anybody else. So they indirectly do it. I don't think they ever name drop a Batman or Bruce or Diana or Barry or anything, but yeah, um, I I thought they name dropped Batman for a sec, but maybe that's Mandela effect. But um, I do think like you are right that this is more a battle of ideals, and the whole thing the whole thing with Manchester is that he's pushing Superman's ideals, and if he. And when he realized that Superman is never going to change and everything, even with trying to show him, hey, this, like, just trying to uh, make peace with everything, it's not going to work. When he realized that it's not that's not going to happen, he more of goads Superman into hitting him. So that way he can if he feels like he's in the right for to give Superman a old one for a to finally, like, just get rid of him. It's like he. In his way, this is like, this is the best way this could happen if you couldn't join us. Because if you weren't going to join us, we were going to clash anyway. But for Black, his whole ideals are, I'm big, you're little, and I'm going to, and I'm going to keep the peace from now on. Where Superman is like, fear is not the answer. We have to all push each other to, to be better. We have to be there for each other. And just killing people outright is never going to make that better world but let's go ahead and move on to our next topic here on our little outline 
Superman and the Elite versus the Atomic Skull. I thought this was a really good fight. I like how it shows how Superman is very knowledgeable about fighting. Uh, before we go on to this one, was this before or after the train? Because I feel like we missed the train. We did not talk about the train. Uh, did you want to talk about anything from that? Because all it does really, I don't mean to like diminish it, but all it does really is just show the elite are very brutal. Yeah. Are willing to cross that line. Well, I also think it shows like the difference in experience. Because with the True. elite, none of them, none of them really thought, how can we, how can we uh, fix this? They all, they just thought, oh, um, I'm not powerful enough. And then Superman brute force, and yeah, Superman. It, hilarious, ironically enough, Superman doesn't think brute force, and he comes up with an idea outside the box. So very good point there, because this is something similar, towards Superman's trying to lead the elite through another situation to where they're not experienced enough in. But they're over here trying to be the new Superman, essentially. Yeah. And a little little side note, I also think this is something with versus culture, because you know how, like, people are like, oh, Goku can beat Superman, or Superman can beat Goku, and I'm over here in the corner being like, why are they fighting? (laughs) But uh, my whole whole thing... Well, you're not going to get an invite on Super Bracket Bros, I guess, next season. Hey, whoa, 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 hold up. I can still do, I can so do that, but it's like my whole, <laughs> my, but my whole thing with versus battles is that a lot of time you'll see them saying like, he's, he's faster, they're smarter, they're um stronger and all that stuff. And I'm like, yes, but are they, but how experienced are they? What, what, how creative are they? That's a huge difference with characters and everything it's not just oh my telepathy is more powerful than your telepathy it's like one of my favorite characters emma frost uh she's not an omega level telepath she's an alpha level telepath but she can beat omega level by being more creative with her telepathy and stuff and that's one of the things like that i like in superheroes and everything it's like it's not just oh i don't have the correct power for it it's how creative am I with this power? It's like, how can I use my limitations creatively to fix a problem? I think that's a bit, I think that's a thing that a lot of people don't do. And before the flash became, Oh, just run faster. It was, it always did try to apply Barry speed creatively to fix a problem. So it's like a lot. It's like, I feel like that's something with a lot of superheroes today that is missing. It's like, it's not just, Oh, I'm not that powerful. You really could be more creative with what you can do. Yeah. Yeah, I totally get you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now on to versus Holding back two or three more jokes about Clash of the Stash now. But uh, getting into this fight about Superman the Elite versus the Atomic Skull. I thought this was a really good fight. Even though I said what I said earlier about the Atomic Skull. This is, there's a lot of good stuff here with the kid and his father. And that's a side arc throughout this movie that I also find very interesting because it's showing the youth of the world and showing how they're impacted by this. And it's shown through this kid who thinks Superman is just not cool and because his dad's a Superman nerd and has a Superman watch, he thinks that's lame. Then the elite come along and he's like, these are the guys for me. Yeah. But in truth, I also do like the dad and his 
and his whole stance and everything like he says he's a devil's advocate he's a fan of superman but he also like does ask superman the hard-hitting questions i feel like the dad is me in a way because it's like i like you superman i'm still gonna ask you those tough questions i'm not gonna be easy on you just because i like you so i do like i do like the dad he, he's honestly one of my favorite characters because i feel like yeah he's my he's like my spirit essence in a cartoon form the only thing I wish they did with those two characters and it is have Superman interact with the dad a little more. That way you can kind of... Because I got the sense from that conversation and from afterwards where he tries to console the kid is that he was friend friends or friendly with the dad. So I think if you give one or two more conversations with Superman and him and you have that like, oh, okay, so they're friends and they get along very well and it makes it hit a little bit harder than what this movie does with it. So I'm actually fine with them not doing that. Reason being is that this again shows Superman more being an ideal than just someone who's like knows him personally. So basically the... uh the kid learns the ideal more than, oh, he's friends with Superman and everything, or his dad was friends with Superman. You got any thoughts on, by the way, the death of the Atomic Skull? I thought it was very brutal, in the best way. I think it ultimately shows um, Manchester's colors. It's not, not only does he push the kid to say, do it, so that way it feels, so that way he can feel like, oh, the people are on his side before he does yeah. it. But it's not him doing it because he thinks it's the right thing. There's a little bit, and this is why I think instead of Manchester Black being this morally gray character that he could either be the hero or the villain of the story, he leans into the villain, and that's not a bad thing. I think for this movie, it works very well. But there's a little part of Manchester Black throughout the entire movie that's you can kind of see that the powers get into his head, but I think there's that little part of him that secretly deep down he loves that he's getting the attention he wants people to be on his side so that scene that you're talking about there where he gets the kid to agree with him yeah that's really fucked up man <laughs> it's like kid it just like lost his dad like, yeah i want i'm gonna base my next decision off of you yeah i also think it has something a little to do with what with when we see his origin story he was ignored before and it's like now he's viewed, he's loved and everything. He's get the attention that he didn't get as a kid. That he and his sister had to basically, like, they never really got. I'm also not entirely sure. I don't, I think they mentioned in the comics, but I'm not entirely sure if his, sis, if his sister was, like, um, Secret Service or something. But, like, I do like the fact that she like throughout everything it shows that she did grow up and she wants her brother to get better but she also knows like he might be too far and he might he might have never he might never grow up he might grow up and everything but she takes it to superman who she might also idolize it's like there's a lot of moving parts in in these short scenes and everything where it's like oh you're starting to understand the characters a bit more and manchester is of course the biggest version of that because he is the he he not only is the ideological opposite of superman but he's also base, he's also basically like some of the uh tra some of the tragedy of the superhero origin story incarnate and how that can make you 
how you can turn out that way. How you become cynical and yeah. more filled with rage and hatred. Yeah, that's it. Than <laughs> living a life and becoming better and moving on from your trauma. Like I think there's a lot of that too in Manchester Black, which is very in- intriguing as a character. But uh, what I love about also the ending to this, because it feels like this is where Superman's at its lowest. And it not really. Like, it kind of is, but it's not there yet. Because the next scene is the conflict between Bialya and Pollockstan, I believe, is the uh, other country um, that we're at war. Normally, when DC does these stories, they don't allow any... Uh, anything close to real i can't remember i remember one was bialya but besides uh getting to my point here he's pretty much in this like heroic moment where he's like you know i'm gonna stop this conflict they're about to go to war i'm going to end this without a single loss of life which is something he says and he's about to go on the speech. Like, he has this epic moment where he's taking on, out all the jets, all the missiles. He's saving all the jet fighter pilots, too. Nobody dies. Everything is saved. Nobody. The conflict is seemingly resolved for the moment. And Superman's about to go into this heroic speech of, like, no more loss of life. You know what? This has gone too far. I'm going to step in. He's going to do the thing that he did not want to do and step in to help. Uh, well, that sounds bad. And he didn't want to step in to fix the problem himself without humanity figuring it out for themselves. Yeah. To which Manchester Black comes in and is like, nope, too late. We already killed all the leaders. They were going to kill each other. I already read their minds. They had no chance of coming back. And I think that's what really sets Superman down that like point of no return for him. Where it's like, all right, I got to take out the elite. The, what his plan was the entire movie and I think that was where he realized like oh I gotta do it this way it's the only way it could be done and it's probably the lowest moment for Superman in that movie because it's where his ideals are just ridiculed the most yeah it, it, it is one of those moments and I can see like Superman and I can see like Superman breaking or just making a split second decision that he regrets in that moment and everything. But even in that split second decision, it's like I think we I think a lot of people forget Superman could easily could easily pull a injustice here. And he even in his anger, he still holds back. He still remembers that black is human and his ideal and everything. But really it's just a punt it's one of those angry punches you do to like show a person how pissed off you are instead and that's a lot of holding back considering superman's level of power but yeah this is the moment where superman breaks just a bit because not just because of his ideal but more because of the loss of life that all those people were killed by the elite and i like that he breaks from that then rather than his ideal being trampled on it's like that just is like the ideal being trampled on adds fuel to the fire but overall superman's more angry about the life than anything else and i think that again Mm -hmm. that's that's really solid superman i think he's also more upset in that moment to where he sees the people now on the side of the elite and you see this earlier in the movie and superman brings it up later to lois where he's hearing some kids playing and they're playing as superheroes, and one like most of the group of kids are dressed up as the elite. 
then one's dressed as Superman and talking about like how it would be fun to kill or something like that. And that's what really, I think that's the part that I think really got Superman throughout the whole movie is it breaks them to see kids like acting like it's nothing. Yeah. Like to take a life and like all that stuff. And it's just, that's the part that I think really like in that moment, all right, I'm about to punch the shit out of this guy here. Well, that that technically actually happens after this. the the whole super the whole kids talking happens after um the punch and everything. It's when Superman. Oh, has it did. 20- oh, dang, I thought yeah. this before. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it it happens during the twenty four hours when. Uh, okay. Yeah, before they actually have to fight and everything, and mm-hmm. Superman, Superman, uh, it does break Superman because he talks it over with Lois. Yeah. Well, either way, that's the whole conflict within Superman there. Like, that was probably, that's just another huge layer to it, is hearing those kids. But that's still something prevalent throughout the entire movie. Whether it yeah. be with the dad and his son, or just all the loss of life, and just seeing the public turn against them. So, it's still, my point's still valid. It's just, I wasn't right talking about, like, oh, this moment happened after uh, the punch, or before the punch. Yeah, it it's like it, it's still like the entire one of the biggest cruxes of the movie. So it's like I can totally understand why you believe it happened earlier because it's like it feels prevalent through the whole movie. It's the entire reason for it being. So yeah. Oh, by the way, uh it's called Pokolistan apparently. Ah. Well, their leaders are dead. <laughs> yep. So, and if this was, they... Yep, and if this was and if it was the comics, this would actually lead into lead into a clone of General Zod taking over Pakolistan because comics Pakolistan and Bialya are uh, yeah that conflict does get resolved I think the news coverage also mentions that it's like the public poll thinks that that conflict is resolved you don't say you don't say what do they think about it <laughs> I'm a I little mean... worried about that <laughs> let's talk about Superman versus the Elite. The actual fight. here. So, the night before the fight, he talks with Lois, and it's this very, just, bittersweet scene there. And then he fights off the Elite on the moon. And he gets his ass whooped. I loved everything about this. It felt like, again, I think one of the best parts of this movie, we're, we've taught longer, I think, than the movie, so far. But, uh... <laughs> I th- we're getting there at the very <laughs> oh, wow. least but this movie is not very long but even so and I mentioned it before like this movie's stakes are so incredibly high in the best way possible mm-hmm. even stuff to kind of crap on the MCU a bit here sorry I'm just trying to give a comparison even stuff like the MCU and their world universe multiverse ending stakes I don't think some movies have lived up to the stakes of this movie. Yeah. And this does it in less time and with less, I think, effort. (laughs) Too. They just do it by going, yeah, we're going to throw some news coverage in there. We're going to show these two ideals and this world that's just the tensions are boiling over. And it feels natural and not more like a cardboard cut out of a story being told. And that's one of the things I loved about this movie here, because it felt like the culmination of that was Superman getting his ass kicked. 
And then we'll talk about what's about to happen, which is my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> I but know. This is just, it's just one of those things where you can feel something is building here. And I really loved it for that reason. What are your thoughts on it? I like this because this is Manchester at his most pompous. This is him giving an entire speech throughout Super- the battle with Superman and everything. And he's talking to the world and he he's fully drunk off his power he's telling everyone all right here are the new rules we're big you're small no more people in tights and capes coming to save you if you do wrong we're the, we're the ones knocking down your door and you're go and you're going to uh get some real punishment it's it it fully encapsulates what um the the darkness of how far do you go for justice until suddenly you're just a dictator. It's it shows the problem too of the elite. If the elite were truly neutral people who were coming in and killing these criminals and stopping these conflicts, I think that's one thing. But these are four people who are not really morally good. And one of the points to where I forgot the character's name, I keep calling him the dad. But uh, <laughs> Terrence Baxter, Terrence Baxter points out like on one of the news coverage bits to where the news anchors talking about like, oh, they take out the trash and uh, Baxter goes, yeah, but what if they turn around and decide you were the trash? And that's kind of the whole problem with the elite. They're flawed from the jump and they think they're not. They, yeah. sh- they think their shit doesn't stink. And that's what I find <laughs> so compelling about him. I have never heard that phrase before, but I'm going to remember that from now on. Oh, but yeah, 100% fully agree. 100% fully agree with you. It's like you got it in one man. This is this is truly the elite and the epitome of what their brand of justice does. It's not really even justice. So can we talk about part 2 now? <laughs> Oh, yeah, we can talk about part two because this is my favorite part of the whole movie. Um, So after Coldcast kills, using air quotes there, Superman, and the whole world, I think this is when they wake up because there was a scene with Pa Kent earlier in the movie, which is one of my favorite parts of the movie because it's a 180 of the Man of Steel scene, the word... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Kevin Costner's Paul Kent goes maybe you should have let the school kids in the bus die this version of Paul Kent in Superman vs. the Elite is like no it's, now granted this is years after him being Superman he he might have in this version of Superman been a little more hesitant at the beginning he it seems like he's far more like you know what I'm proud of my son I'm proud of what he represents and he's doing good out there in the world so I love that scene because it's one of those things where he is that person on Superman's shoulder to go like, hey man, you're doing a good job. Just keep doing what you're doing. You're not the one in the wrong. Yeah, and remember your and remember your ideals. Don't trade those just because everyone else is trying to move past them. Your ideals aren't broke. Don't try to fix them. And the problem, or the point of why I bring this up is... What he says in that scene, he brings up the catchphrase, truth, justice, American way, and all that stuff, but he also says something like, people get on a bandwagon without realizing who's driving the bus. 
And in the moment where Superman quote-unquote dies, you see everybody wake up and realize who's driving the bus. It's brilliant fucking writing. It's just, it's great. (laughs) It's great all the way around. And from there, we see a Superman who snaps. And when I say he snaps, oh, he just, you think this man just brutally killed everybody in the elite except for Manchester Black. And I I can't do it justice by even describing it. If for some reason you haven't watched this, I feel bad for spoiling this part to you because going in blind was fucking amazing. Because it was the, oh, you tugged on Superman's cape. That's where the expression comes from. <laughs> yeah, uh, by the by the way, if you haven't watched it yet, just go watch it. I promise you, you, I promise you this video will still be here when you get back. Video, this audio will still be here when you get back. And you can come back and listen to our spiel. Are you back? Good. Because... <laughs> Oh my god, when people when people say, how the hell does Batman survive Superman, this is one of the main scenes you will get. You know why I like this so much, Drew? Because this is ideal kind of movie. We talked about it the entire podcast, to where it's the elite and Superman, there's a lot of physical fights, but it's a lot of clashing of ideals. I like how the end of this basically goes, Superman pretty much tells the world, I do what I do because I believe it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I want to do it. If I want it's like one of the biggest flexes, I think, in history of movies to where Superman in this movie just goes, if I really wanted to, I could do what the elite do times a thousand. Oh, yeah. With the snap of a finger. Like, he could kill anybody he wanted. He can do whatever he wanted. He could destroy any kind of conflict before it even happened at a snap of a finger. And I love it because it's just, it's such a flex on the elite here. Towards the whole movie is just Superman getting hit in the face with a baseball bat by just the general public, by the elite, even by his own girlfriend slash wife. I'm not sure what the relationship was in this movie, but his significant other, Lois, like even to an extent her, and it's just him taking it, the whole movie. And this is just that one moment where he's just like, you know what? Fuck y'all. I'm going to show you what my power is. So Mm -hmm. next time this happens, oh, I'm sorry, there's not going to be a next time because this is what's going to happen. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. But I also love. I also love that in the end, uh, that um, in the end of all this, after Superman just to show off his powers, honestly, really, really amazing, really amazingly, you get to see like what Superman can do and everything. It's like Manchester tries to again turn it around. It's again trying to get the public on his side, and even trying to guilt trip Superman by using the old Superman. <laughs> Like by use by utilizing his ideals and everything against him, which is his main mo, and then Superman, and then the perfect twist. Superman is like, "Oh yeah, I already know all of that. That's why I didn't do any of that. I just made you believe." And he's like, "Ah, I set this all up. I made sure that everyone would be safe. My robots were on standby. Super robots. Like we're about to talk about DCU. James Gunn, bring the super robots into the DCU." Between mm-hmm. them in this movie and then All Star Superman, like I've grown an attachment 
to these super robots. I'm like, oh man, they're great. Like they need to be in everything Superman related from here on out. Like they are the best sidekicks I think in the world. Uh, yeah, I, I'm saying that over Robin. <laughs> okay, I I, super... uh, okay, Taylor, you're going a little much. I'm being for me. facetious. All right, <laughs> but besides the point. I know. It's like, I, under, I understand everything. And and once we get to All-Star Superman, we get to talk about one of the best robot sidekicks ever. But um, <laughs> I love how uh, Manchester immediately tries to get Superman's ideals against him. Superman is like, yeah, no, I still followed my ideals. I even got your teleporting, uh, teleporting living base that you've been using to uh, help me out and everything. And we're returning her to her home dimension and dehumanized, by the way. That was a one little throwaway line earlier in the movie that I thought really gave a nice look into the elite. Which I think at this point, the elite, everybody was watching going, oh, they're not really the best people. Yeah. But this was one of those to where, yeah, we just dialed back the emotions that she had to where she doesn't have, you know, thoughts and feelings, which is very inhumane. Yeah. But uh, my favorite part comes from the Superman speech, Dreams. Now, let me tell you something before you, I'll let you interrupt uh, in a minute, but I need to say this. Superman's dream speech is something I have on my phone. I literally have it to where my alarm will show me that speech because it truly embodies not only Superman, but what I think humanity needs to hear on a daily basis. Taylor, you can take it away if you want. <laughs> Just, I'm now imagining Drew waking up in the morning at like 5.30, seeing that, and he's like, ah, hit a fucking snooze button. Alright, <laughs> let me go back to sleep. <laughs> but besides the point, no, man, it's a great speech. It's, it's one of those things to where I think it ties the whole movie together, and I think it ties the ending twist together. And it feels earned. That's the other thing, too. Like, it all feels earned for Superman because he doesn't go through... He doesn't learn anything in this movie, I think. It's not like he's the one who has to change. It's one of those movies, hilariously enough, where the world around him goes through a character arc. And Superman stays the exact same. It's fucking hilarious. Like, it's... I think that's the way Superman movie, like, in the DCU... How I think the first one should go. I don't think every Superman movie needs to be that way. Because that makes Superman, I think, uninteresting. If he never learns everything and he knows everything, that's kind of boring. But for a... Where we are with Superman right now, and this is getting into DCU. Where we are with Superman right now, and a lot of people thinking this guy's got to be evil, he's got to be dark, he's got to be edgy, we need the Snyder version of Superman back. I think I would would really love to see this version of Superman in the DCU with James Gunn's Superman movie that he's writing and directing because I think this is the version of Superman that is needed to show people like, no, Superman can still work in the way that he was written and intended to be. Yeah. He doesn't need to change. Like, we need to kind of... I think we just need to take a step back and look at it from a different perspective yeah it's it's easy to look at the old school old school superman who was like oh he's the person who who teaches bad guys a lesson he's the ultimate superhero and everything and be like oh that's so boring 
I think what really makes Superman special is that he is that per- he is that person who most of the time is a is like the epitome of the uh, the epitome of justice and humanity for the world and that he's trying to allow other people to do that if i could put it into if i could put it into a way it's kind of like how goku in dragon ball how he originally started out like goku was he he's kind he didn't really change all that much in the original dragon ball what goku did though was that his personality allowed people to see the goodness in the world and even change and look at themselves and everything goku has a lot of superman parallels to the point where english dubs tried to make him superman uh but i really think like for for superman he's the protagonist who most of the time will have a flat arc he knows the truth about himself in the world the whole thing about him is he's also the one who will do everything he can to make the world better that is superman and maybe that can seem boring to some writers i honestly think like that's not it's not that superman's boring it's that he's hard to write and sometimes that can be boring to some writers because they want to write what makes them happy but for superman he's he's a character he's not a character that we want he's a character that we need and that's not to say either that every Superman story has to be like this one. Oh yeah, no. he's got to have this struggle, like this deep struggle of like ideals and what we believe in as society and all this stuff. No, like we can have a Brainiac movie where there's a punching dudes and shit. That's completely yeah. fine. But it's just one of those things to where, and kind of what you said, like I do think Superman is hard to write. But if you get somebody who knows how to write Superman well. And even going back to the Snyderverse, I've talked about my problems with the darker version of Superman, and I still think Zack Snyder got some things right to where I would have loved to see, I know this is this ship has sailed, I understand, I'm not diving back into these waters, I'm just <laughs> saying I would have liked if it was a possibility to see Zack Snyder's Superman continue, because it felt like we were going somewhere down that road. Of the more hopeful, and he was starting to finally get it. It just took Zack Snyder, I think, a few movies to fully make it click. But I think we were on the, I think we were on the cusp of potentially seeing something special from Henry Cavill's Superman, and yeah. potentially with Zack Snyder there, because it felt like he was starting to get some things about the character. Like, okay, no, just do more of that and less of him brooding. Well, he's not Batman. To be fair, to all this talk about DCU. I would not be mad at the fan cast of Henry Cavill for Batman simply because I feel like he played some of Batman in the DCE <laughs> with all the fucking brooding. It's so true. <laughs> so, honestly, I do think he'd be pretty good. It would be very funny, though. But besides the point, I think he is really hard to write for. But if you do it right, you have something really special there. And that's why I think people look at the 70s movies in such high regard. And to be more specific, the first two movies, because I don't think people look at Superman 3 and 4 all that well. But besides the point... What, you don't like Nuclear Man? With his radioactive claws? I don't think people like John Cryer as Lex's nephew, either. Yeah. But, uh, besides the point, I think it could work. It's just like you said, Superman is a hard character to write for, but if you do it well, he could be special. 
it could be a great story. And again, it doesn't need to always be something deep and we got to tell this very important story. Again, you can just do something like he's fighting off this physical villain and Metropolis is being overran by these aliens. Have him fight Mongol and do the, uh, and have him yeah, fight War World. World. Yeah, War World is a real... Is a really cool and threat and a big threat that Superman can't just punch. It's like, or it's like you can make a interesting super. You can make interesting uh, stories around Superman, or you can do a mix of both. I really like this movie. We're gonna talk about it later this year. I already have it penned in for one of the episodes here for us here. But Superman: Man of Tomorrow. Oh yeah, I actually quite liked it. I don't <laughs> think it's as well received, especially compared to this and All Star, but. It's one of those movies that I think balances that action to the origins of what Superman is very well. Yeah. So yeah, I think it can be done, man. Yeah, it's it, it can be it can be done, and Superman has a lot of stories that I think no one's tried to adapt because it's all because it's always like ah uh, he he's either like too boring or he's not as profitable as Batman, but it's like honestly every superhero regardless of who can make can be great you just gotta put good writing behind them and superman is no different definitely agree with that let's talk about our favorite and least favorite moments from superman versus the elite so my favorite moment i mean come on now i think we both have wrecking the elite i mean (laughs) (laughs) it's it's not even a competition this is a great movie it's arguably the best superman movie i think in existence and that is by far the best moment. That So that should really say something there. Least favorite would probably be... Probably the Atomic Skull stuff. But I'm I'm really nitpicking. Yeah. Um, for me, it's the same. It's the same with the uh, favorite scene. Because it's like Superman versus the Elite. And of course, the dream speech. I already told you guys. It's one of my alarm clocks. So it's like, it's my favorite scene. <laughs> but in addition to that, in addition to that, my least favorite scene would probably also have to be like the beginning Atomic Skull stuff. Mostly just because it's, it does start it off a bit slow and everything. And I do like the... I do like um, Atomic... Like I said, I like a lot of the stuff with Atomic Skull. I even like the idea of, oh, his prison cell actually helps power the city, because that's actually really clever. I would have liked it better if he was, you know, willing in that. But yeah, that's probably my my least favorite scene is probably the beginning and stuff, just because it's like, it's kind of slow. But yeah, that's a nitpick, because I, I will still watch this movie over and over and over again. It's a really good movie. I have nothing else to really say about this movie. I've talked about it plenty of times. This is, like I said, arguably the best Superman movie out there, I think. Do you have any final thoughts, though, about Superman vs. the Elite? It's really, really, really good. Go watch it. There, those are my final thoughts. <laughs> Just go watch it. Just go watch it. <laughs> it's like you can fi- you can rent it on YouTube for $2. Go. You also watch it on HBO Max. That too. We got a subscription there. And you get right. access to a ton more catalog, including All-Star Superman, what I call Peak Superman. You know, there's a lot of... I think there's a lot of great superhero content out there. Maybe not new superhero content, but there's a lot of 
really damn good superhero content out there. Yeah. On HBO Max. But you know what you could find on any podcasting platform like Spotify or Podbean or Apple Podcasts? You could find the Nerd Session Network, which is going to have a lot more content here soon. Because we will be launching not one, not two, but three new podcasts at TNS Network pretty pretty, pretty soon, I'll say. The first of which is a dedicated podcast for Clash at the Stash, our competition series where we at TNS Network and other awesome content creators debate over nerd culture topics. New episodes of Clash at the Stash will be posted on the first and last Friday of each month. Along with Clash of the Stash, we will be dropping the first official episode, keyword being official, of Nerds Talk Movie News. This is going to be a movie-slash-TV news-centric show, not unlike what we do with Power Up and Game, our gaming news podcast. We'll be talking all about all sorts of news, rumors, reports from Marvel, DC, Star Wars, and all sorts of other content there. You can find new episodes of Nerds Talk Movie News soon. But whenever we air our first official episode, new episodes of Nerds Talk Movie News will be dropping every week afterwards on Tuesday nights. By the way, Drew, I just want to say it on this podcast. I know I've told you and Tristan this before, but both of you always have an open invitation to Nerds Talk Movie News. Because I know how awesome. much we always talk about Nerds Talk Movie or now how much we talk about news <laughs> off here. Uh, but besides the point, get into this last podcast here, because this is something that's special to you and Tristan here. Mm-hmm. Lastly, Tristan and Drew from this podcast are massive comic nerds and comic experts, and I'm very, I'm understating that a lot. <laughs> like, you guys are have a crazy amount of knowledge when it comes to comic news and not only comic news, but comic lore and character lore. And it's just, it's really insane. And I'm really glad to have you guys on this show and have the comic connections part of this show. But you guys came to me and said, Taylor, we want to do a podcast that's just for comics. And I said, cool, let's do it. Just tell me what you want to do. So here's the description that both of them provided to me. Quote, Join us for Long Box Hunters, a podcast where two longtime friends and lifelong nerds talk about all things comics. Each episode or issue will cover what they've been reading recently before moving on to whatever that edition's topic may be, with plenty of room for discussion, discourse, and even the occasional special guest to keep things fresh. From story arc analysis to character history, deep dives, and debates over widely contested comic book plot points and hot topics, Tristan and Drew cover everything in between, all while bringing their trademark wit and enthusiasm that listeners of Nerds Talk Movies know and love. And quote, Long Box Hunters won't be a weekly show, and we don't have any further info to share beyond that, but Tristan and Drew have already recorded the first official episode, and we'll probably get one or two more in the can before we start posting them. Mm-hmm. We're pumped for all these new shows, and this podcast here isn't going to be changing all that much. 
but this is why the posting schedule got changed. That's the only thing that's really getting changed with these podcasts. Uh, we wanted to have content throughout the week and give everyone enough time to get these episodes recorded, edited, and posted. And it get, so, and that means that you guys get more of our amazing voices throughout the entirety uh, of your week. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry in advance. You're going to be hearing more of us. That sounds awful. I don't know why anybody would. Well, well, unfortunately for Taylor, his voice just isn't measuring up to standard. But, you know... I've got a, I've got a voice that brings all the people back. I'm a weird guy when it comes to this because I'm wanting us to create more content. I, I like what we do. Like I love that we're just sitting down here. We're talking about Superman versus the Elite for over an hour, longer than the movie. And then meanwhile, I'm thinking, all right, more content. Man, people are going to hear more from us. Oh, that sounds awful. <laughs> At the same time, so I'm burying ourselves while also going, we need to do more. It's I'm a complicated guy, I guess. Well, Taylor, unfortunately, unfortunately for you, I like to give the people what they want, and what they want is more of my voice. So, <laughs> all right, Tristan. <laughs> I honestly, hanging, you're hanging I, out with Tristan too. Much. Yeah, I've no, I've noticed some of his mannerisms are rubbing off on me. I've noticed he's gotten a little bit of mine too. It's, it's, it's like, it's like, it's like we were back in college again, where suddenly we're copying each other in not, not even in like, oh, we did the same thing. It's just, no, it's just some of our phrases and mannerisms have been copied. I've added, I'll tell you what, into my daily vocabulary (laughs) for months. And it's all because of him. And I blame it solely on him. I've never heard that phrase so often before he joined the podcast team. And now I use it again, just daily. (laughs) it's just like i'll tell you what before going into a spiel tristan gave me fire like now whenever i love something i will say that's straight fire (laughs) let's get out of here though let's talk about what we're working on where can people find us drew what you're working on where can people find you oh yeah i am working on my youtube channel fanfic world replica hearts is coming out uh, I'm not sure when this episode is going to be posted, but hopefully Replica Hearts will be up by that point and it'll be on Kingdom Hearts 3 and one of my biggest plot hole problems with Kingdom Hearts. Just, just FYI, if Tristan was on here, he'd say that the game was perfect and I'd say eh, it was close. So, you know. And then it'll be a five minute tangent that I'm <laughs> going to have to edit out. <laughs> Besides the <laughs> don't worry no ta- no tangent here but basic but basically when that episode comes out just check me out on on fanfic world or you can look me up on social media i'm on twitter and i am on instagram at drew garrison underscore as for me i'm just working on these podcasts i want to talk about clash of stash just a little bit more because we got some really good episodes coming up drew you've been on i think two episodes so far I think I thought it was three because didn't I host one? You were the judge for one, and I think you're either planned or you're going to be part of two more episodes at the very least. Beyond that, awesome! And man, we got some great guests planned for this season, and a lot of great podcast creators out there. And just I cannot wait to get into it because we got. I, I love that what we did with it too is. The people we bring on were like, what do you guys want to do? What do you want to talk about? Like, here, all we want you to do is be as creative as you want to be. If you want a very standard something versus something, like Marvel versus DC, we can do that. 
But if you want to get crazy, you want to get nuts, let's get nuts. And some of these people who came on, these wonderful people, they got nuts with their ideas. <laughs> and I loved it. So I cannot wait for people to hear it. Uh, and me and you might be talking about another Clash of Sash opportunity after this episode. We'll see. Ooh. But other than that, I'm just working on these podcasts. And you can find me in our Discord, the link for which is in the description of this episode. Also, consider leaving us a rating. I want to thank Drew for joining me. I want to thank anyone for listening in. We will be back next week with... Drew, what are we talking about next week? Because the way we've been doing these episodes is if we're not doing a spoiler talk, we're usually letting one of us pick the movie. And with Tristan out for the next few weeks, I pick Superman vs. the Elite. You're up. Bat next. What are you picking? So, next week, we are doing one of the new animated classics that came out honestly just last year puss in boots the last wish who is your favorite fearless hero who is your favorite fearless hero drew a year ago if you told me we were covering this i would have been very nice about it but i would have told you very nicely to fuck off uh, however, over the past few months since this movie came out, I have heard nothing but immense praise for it. I have not seen it yet, but I have heard things like, oh, this is one of the best animated movies ever. Honestly, I would say it's one of the best movies ever. This really does bring back a lot, a lot of good stuff that I think movies have been missing lately. So I say all that. I cannot wait to talk about Puss in Boots Last Wish. It's a (laughs) sentence I did not expect to say in my lifetime. I don't think anyone expected it. But it came but it came out of nowhere. It point it pointed its small little rapier at you and it said, Fear me if you dare. God, I can't wait for it. I'm I'm probably gonna watch it this weekend. (laughs) So it's fresh in my mind too, so I'm just gonna look forward to it throughout the week. But man, I I cannot wait to talk about it. It should be a fun time. Uh, But we'll see you next week.